entering the Freedom Hut. The establishment is rallying behind Kamala Harris. They think that she is going to be their savior against Trumpism. Turns out she's kind of a radical and something of an authoritarian. We will break down what she has had to say so far after the free campaign contribution that CNN gave her yesterday. Plus, we will get into all the latest on Roger Stone's pending uh, trial. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to The Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Great to have you with me here. We have so much to get to today. You know, it's, it's one of these days where I feel like there are there are two main issues to tackle, and I wasn't sure which one we would kick it off with because it can make a case for either. We got our friend Andy McCarthy joining later on this hour to really just walk us through the the legalese and the uh, the sound constitutional analysis of what's going on now with the uh, the Mueller probe with Roger Stone. Stone looking very dapper today at court. Everyone's of course of course focused on that. Uh, but we'll get into into that and more. I, I think we're going to bounce around on some topics today because there's so much on both the Stone Mueller probe situation and, and what is hopefully its final chapters, although I don't know how long those chapters will be. And then also in the reminder of what we are up against with the Democrat Party. You see, for two years now, for two years, we have been living in a in a country where with a media environment that has saturated the airwaves with Trump is a he's a bully. He's a sexist. He's a rapist. He's mean. He's this he, just crazy. He's the 25th Amendment is going to have to remove him from office because he's not of sound mind. All this stuff. Right. He's a Russian agent. All this craziness that they've put out there. And those of us who have been trying to make sense of some of the difficulties the administration has had getting things done. The wall is obviously still very much an open question. Why didn't they fund Planned Parenthood? Why hasn't uh, the why haven't the Republicans in Congress taken more definitive action on on health care? Well, we know, I mean, John McCain wouldn't even let them do the downsized version of a of an Obamacare, uh, if not replacement, at least uh, reduce reducing of Obamacare. And now we are reminded that the Democrats have 2020 firmly in their sights and are having to be open about it, are having to open themselves up to, well, who are you? What does your side represent? Who are these people that from their various perches in either the media or in the government as members of Congress, senators, and all the rest. You've been making it sound for two years like you're the ethical, reasonable, intelligent, competent people to run the country. Now, you and I haven't been buying that, but that's been part of the pitch. We're, you know, the Democrats have been trying to say while Trump is doing his very unorthodox presidency, where he has gotten a lot done, and I think it's been overall, you know, I, I'm 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 happy, but I'm not I'm not satisfied. Happy but not satisfied is how I think we could describe a lot of folks who look at the Trump administration. But now when Kamala Harris comes out, 
who is clearly all oh, the fawning, all the, the sit down, the, the Jake Tapper sit down on CNN. Wow, isn't that just so nice that CNN, you know, kicks off her presidential campaign like that? You know, this is why when people talk about campaign finance reform and, oh, you shouldn't be able to, you should only be able to give this much money to a candidate or this much money to a PAC. I mean, Jeff Zucker is giving the equivalent of free media to people who, based on what? Well, whatever their newsroom says. Well, if, if advertisers have to pay for exposure on CNN, despite the weak, weak sauce ratings, you know, th- there's a reason why the media has the power still that it does. It's effectively an in-kind contribution for them to put certain people on TV. There are other people they obviously won't do this for. But putting that aside for a moment, the great thing about seeing Kamala Harris up there on stage talking about what she wants is that it is a reminder that the Democratic Party in 2019 is crazy. These people cannot be trusted to balance a checkbook, never mind run the United States government. Their ideas are absurd. Their ideas are destructive They will not work in practice. They don't even work in principle. Kamala Harris made it clear she wants to take away, and I am not exaggerating. I'm not playing games with her her purpose. She wants to take away all private health insurance. She believes in a Green New Deal. She wants to ban all semi-automatic weapons, which means, I mean, unless you've got a side-by-side Elmer Fudd-style shotgun, guess what? Your weapon's pretty much going to be gone. So she's anti-constitution, anti-personal freedom, anti-individual responsibility, and wants to tell you what to do and then some. And she's the centrist among the Democrats who have thrown their hats in the ring so far. She's supposed to be the least crazy of all these crazy people. She is speaking about policy ideas, and I don't even like to call them policy ideas because they're really just something that a bunch of, you know, college sophomores at Hampshire would come up with between bong rips. You know, she, she's coming up with these ideas of, yeah, like, just like, let's just make college, like, no one pays any debt, but like, also no, no private for profit college. You know, no, you don't know what you're doing. And if you think, and, and I, you know, I, I hat tip our friend David Harsani over at The Federalist for a very good, short, and, and to the point piece today on this. You know, if you think that Kamala Harris doesn't approach government as effectively, in her mind, a benevolent authoritarian, in our minds, a very dangerous authoritarian, what is an authoritarian? She wants to take away your car. She wants to take away your gun. She wants to take away your uh, ability to keep what you earn. She wants to take away your, your private health insurance. Take it away. Just just gone. She really, really believes that that's a, a good way forward. Single payer. Here we are. What is it? Let's, let's call it eight, nine years later. And I remember because it was, it was the start of my media career doing all this reading and research on healthcare and Obamacare and where it was going and the fight over it. And, and, and conservatives like me, and I, I'm not pretending to be alone here at all. This was, we knew. The right knew. You know, the, the intellectual right had an understanding of where this was all heading, which was it was just 
Obamacare was an unworkable but politically saleable monstrosity that would get us to a place where we are going to be told, oh, the only way to fix this is single payer. We were saying this. We were saying it was a pathway to socialized medicine. We were told we were we were told that we were way off base, that we were racist because we just didn't like Obamacare because of Obama. All these crazy things we were told. We were right. We were right. Turns out that when you actually have an understanding of how the insurance market works and how governments function and dysfunction, then you can predict these things because they're entirely predictable. Now we have the favorite candidate of the establishment, female, uh, African-American background. You know, they, they, they love this notion of, of President Kamala Harris, at least until President or would-be president, pardon me, Biden throws his hat in the ring, which is going to happen. I think he's worried that, that Kamala is stealing too much thunder here. But she's the one that they're pointing to as the Hillary-esque, safe, sound option. And the Democratic Party has been pulled so far left that I would say these people are unserious, except they seriously want to destroy very important foundational concepts, aspects, legal protections, cultural traditions of this country. This is great, though, for the country in a sense that we at least have the ability to see this now and early. We are now going to be able to switch into a mode where we're not just being told all the time, oh, you know, look at look at uh, what Trump said. Look at Trump's tweet. Ha ha ha. He's got small hands. He's orange. Look at the, you know, it's just the media has been acting like a bunch of bratty sixth graders. And as, as Charles Cook in his wonderful essay on a bad press on National Review Online makes it just a, a slam dunk case on. I mean, they, they act like mean spirited schoolgirls, all of them, male, female, everybody in the media. That's what they act like people that you know, just really care about their popularity, their influence. They're, they're, they create this little in-group and they're all just snickering and he 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 and being nasty to anybody outside the group. CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, HuffPo, BuzzFeed, all these places. That's how they act. That's how they've been conducting themselves. Now they are going to have to switch from just being in this relentless attack mode to also having to talk about what they want their people because they're activists they're not journalists they are active participants in pushing for certain political ideas and they are they are frauds and liars for not admitting that publicly but they are now going to have to say oh yes let's here here's a explainer on vox about the green new deal the green new deal would be the single most economically disastrous thing we have done since the era of the Great Depression, and in some ways might even be worse than the Great Depression, if they really went all in. 90% of our energy is going to come from renewables? Does anyone realize what the cost of this would be? We have to just have this great leap forward, and I make the connection to what happened in China under Mao purposefully. We're going to have this great leap forward into green energy that will annihilate our economic growth, destroy trillions of dollars of wealth, and all because they really believe that CO2, right, CO2, which plants need to survive, is 
and which is a tiny percentage of our over, overall atmosphere, is going to melt the world unless we decide that we're going to give up on all of our economic and technological progress in one fell swoop. Effectively, just destroy so much of what we've built and then try to rebuild it in this new green energy model. These are not ideas where we have a difference of opinion. This is negotiating. This is debating with people who have no connection to reality. But because of the media apparatus they have, that still is very powerful, because of the Silicon Valley apparatus they have, which is overwhelmingly not just Democrat, but far left progressive. You want to talk about influencing an election? Who knows? Who could even gauge how much Google and Facebook and Twitter have done behind the scenes with some, you know, CYA rubric of, uh, oh, we're just trying to make our platform better. But all of a sudden, Democrat ideas get out there much more frequently and get shared much more easily. Who knows how much they've already tilted elections? We are in for a, a truly epic political battle leading into 2020. I mean, it's going to be incredible. And I'm so happy that I have all of you gathered with me as we do it because it's going to be a wild ride and there's going to be some crazy days there's going to be some really sad days but i am i'm excited for a shift in the national conversation hopefully away from the russia collusion delusion which is the greatest waste of time and injustice perpetrated by the department of justice in my lifetime and move toward what do these democrats who, who pretend to be the adults in the room in the Trump era, who say they've always got a better answer. What is their answer? What do they really think we should do? And the moment that you d- drill down into what they're suggesting, you only come away with one conclusion. It is, for anybody who is honest and intelligent, it is an unavoidable conclusion. The Democratic Party has lost its mind. These people are crazy. The stuff that they want to do would be massively destructive. And unfortunately, we're going to have to fight this one because if we don't, they can win. And a lot of people are going to suffer. 888-900-2825, 888-900-BUCK. Uh, that's the phone line if you want to call in. The lines are, oh, is, did I give the right number, John? Sometimes I give the wrong, I mean, no, Brandon, pardon me. Sometimes I give the wrong number. Wrong DJ, wrong number. Does that sound right? 888-900-2825, 888-900-BUCK. We got much more show. Andy McCarthy's going to drop knowledge bombs around the uh, Russia Mueller stone circus. So that's coming up. Made a little radio boo-boo before. Sorry about that, team. The lines are open, but I should probably tell you the right line. 844 844- Wait, 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 Mike, 844-900-2825, right? 844-900-BUCK. In my defense, I had to commit to memory the Glenn Beck phone number when I used to fill in for him, the Rush Limbaugh phone number when I used to fill in for him, and my own phone number at the Blaze. So there are a lot of, and it becomes very mechanical, you just kind of say it, you know, and that was, so yes, 844 Nine hundred two eight two five eight four four nine hundred bucks. Sorry about that, team. I uh, 
anytime I'm like, well, I'm going to get the number right. I always get it wrong. Good, good job. Good job, son. I should code red myself. I don't even know how that would work. Uh, all right. I was talking. So here's how we're going to break this down. I was talking about uh, Kamala Harris and how the Democrats are are embracing the radical left of their own party now. And I don't think it's just a people are going to say it's a primary ploy. That's the ploy. This is where the party is. This is where the Democrats are. I want to break that down issue by issue. But we're going to kind of switch gears from him because we could only get Andy McCarthy. He's a very busy man to join us in just a few minutes to talk about Stone, Russia collusion, Whitaker, all that good stuff. So uh, we're going to kind of return to the socialism, Kamala Harris, where the Democrats, why are they so, here's a really interesting question. Why are they so very, very upset with uh, the notion of Schultz running? Here's, here's a, a point that the media won't focus on. Yes, it could theoretically split the vote. I get that. And that's a lot. I'm not saying that's not a big concern from the crazy anti-Trump left, because of course it is. They're single... The single most important thing for them is that Donald Trump does not win, right? Everything else is way, way, way distant to that. The single most important thing for Democrats is Donald Trump cannot be allowed to win the presidency. But there's another component of of Schultz that that is problematic for them. And you've seen this in the last 24 hours or so. Remember, this is the, the former. High five, producer Mike, for making sure I got that one right. The former. Uh, CEO of Starbucks until 2017. Wait, was he the bathroom policy guy, by the way? Or was that, am I getting my timetables off here? Was he the like, yeah, you can just come in and, you know, do your thing and, and you don't have to pay? You remember that when that whole thing happened? There yeah, that, whole- I'm, I'm almost positive that was under the uh, the new CEO. But new after, guy. when he left in two seven, uh, 2017, he became an executive board member. So he was definitely a part of that. Okay, okay. So... Because I'm wondering, I'm wondering how that how that uh, shook out. My my guess is that most people probably managed to, uh, you know, they managed to buy a cup of coffee if they got to use the bathroom. But anyway, um, his underlying capitalist instincts and understanding are a problem for the modern Democrat Party, and, and, that, and that's really important. This is not a little thing. This is a very, very important thing that the modern Democrat Party really does now increasingly have an aversion to cap not an aversion to wealth look at maduro there are very rich socialists an aversion to capitalism to business and commerce and the success thereof he's holding the line for america buck sexton is back comfortable that um, the decisions that were made are going to be um, reviewed, uh, uh, you know, either through the various means we have. But right now, you know, the investigation is, uh, I think, uh, close to being completed. And I hope that we can get the report from Director Mueller as soon as as possible. No responsible official of the Department of Justice would make those kinds of comments about an investigation coming to a conclusion in the near future. If Matthew Whitaker was briefed about the investigation, it's the last time he should be briefed because his comments were totally irresponsible and reprehensible. Democrats seem very testy about the notion of the Mueller probe at an undetermined stage to maybe wind down on its own. They, they've they really gotten very attached to this thing. It's it's like the precious and their Smeagol. 
let's bring in somebody who can actually make sense of all this and tell us what's really going on. Our friend Andy McCarthy has uh, made some time for us tonight. He is, of course, Fox News contributor. You see him on Fox all the time. Also, National Review, where he's got great columns, and they do a podcast over at National Review that I'd recommend to you all as well. Mr. Andy McCarthy, great to have you back. Fuck, how are you? I'm good. So, you know, we, we got a couple things we got to get through today, Andy. Uh, one is just, you know, you, you heard there, you know, Whitaker uh, having his say about the Mueller investigation close to completed. Who knows what that even means? Blumenthal obviously gets very upset about it. What do you make of this? Uh, Bloomy and the Democrats are making me dizzy. Fuck, uh, I have to say. I mean, the, the rule of the road, as we know from. Uh, the, the Justice Department and uh, the intelligence community, even uh, this goes double for them. But um, you never confirm or deny the existence of an investigation, right? And you certainly never identify the subjects of the investigation. Uh, at a public hearing in March of 2017, then FBI Director Comey gets up in, in, uh, in grand style and announces not only the existence of the, the uh, Russia investigation, but says that the Trump campaign is a subject of the investigation, um, even though the investigation is counterintelligence and it's classified and you're not supposed to name subjects. And he goes on for good measure to say, and we'll be checking to see if they committed any crimes, too. Um, and I think my recollection is the Democrats thought that was just peachy. Um, so, uh, you know, to hear them now say, that the guy to whom Mueller reports, which is Whitaker, and, and you know, mind you, I, I know they want to treat uh, uh, Mueller like he's General Eisenhower out there or, or something, but, you know, Mueller is just a line prosecutor. He's not even confirmed by the Senate, and he's in a chain of command. He works for Whitaker. Now, you know, they may not like that because they don't like Whitaker and and, you know, Mueller is this uh, legendary uh, personage and all that jazz. But that's that's the fact of the matter. So all the guy who is running the investigation or who or to whom the investigators report said was that it looked like it was winding down. Uh, he didn't say anything more than that. And now they're up in arms. But when the thing got announced, which was a violation of every single rule in the Justice Department, and the FBI, they thought that was great. I mean, Andy, I can't look at this whole situation, especially given how much we hear about how Trump and and his and his people are always undermining institutions. For me, that that the DOJ has been caught up in this whole thing the way that it has. A lot of the decision making that we've seen uh, on the FBI side, the DOJ side has been shoddy at best and perhaps, uh, you know, unethical. I mean, I would argue that some of it is unethical. And and yet we're supposed to believe that this process is playing out and it's just the way it's supposed to be. And it's fine. I feel like why should we why should we have faith in this institution of the special counsel, given all the things that have happened? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, what other investigation book do you know of where they assign a prosecutor to run a counterintelligence investigation? You know, the the Justice Department has a unit of lawyers, their national security division, that lends assistance to the FBI, which is our domestic security service, uh, when they need a national security wiretap or they need some kind of assistance from, from the court. Otherwise, in the Justice Department, 
counterintelligence investigations don't get a prosecutor because they're not prosecutor work. They're not supposed to be tailored to building criminal prosecutions. They are information gathering exercises in order that the president can carry out his national security and foreign policy functions, and they don't get a prosecutor. So, I, I mean, procedure, procedural regularity, it seems to me, has gone out the window from the get-go on this. And, I, I, you know, I don't want to keep making jokes about being, being busy, but, I, you know, I must say now they suddenly want procedural regularity after everything that's gone on here. We got a guy who was apparently monitored for close to a year, four separate FISA warrant applications where they evidently relied on a, a screed of opposition research from the from the opposition political campaign. And now they're going to start worrying about whether whether we have procedural regularity. I, I got to tell you, Eddie, you know, I know that this is more of a of a gut feeling thing or, you know, but a, after spending a, a good amount of time uh, on air and off air talking to Carter Page, the idea that they got four FISA warrants on this guy, I keep hearing people say, oh, but the FISA process is is so respectable and good. I'm, I'm sorry. No, it is not. <laughs> if you can get yeah. four FISA warrants on this guy uh, who is speaking to the special counsel without a lawyer and has apparently uh, no charges against him at all, um, right. then there's a massive problem with at least abuse of the FISA process, if not the whole way that it goes down for counterintelligence investigations. Yeah, I, I've always wondered, Buck, you know, in the part of a wiretap, whether it's criminal or national security, where you have to tell the court um, why you need the wiretap, where you have to say alternative investigative techniques, you know, less restrictive or less intrusive methods of doing investigations. You have to tell the court why they've either uh, been tried and failed or they would fail if tried. I've always wondered what on earth did they say to the FISA court that would have convinced anyone that they couldn't have brought Carter Page in and interviewed him, which they had done in the past anyhow. You know, why they needed a warrant on this guy. I, 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 I met the guy uh, a couple of times. He's a, you know, he seems like a perfectly nice guy, but, you know, with due respect to him, you can't shut him up. Uh, so. He's he's the worst. He's the worst person that you could find if you looked really hard to try to run an international conspiracy to, to tip an election with. I mean, he, he's, it, you you'd be better off grabbing yep. a random person off the street than having Carter. And I, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean exactly what you're saying, which is he's yeah. very garrulous. I, he's very open. Right. And when the Russians tried to 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 recruit him as an asset in 2013, 2014, and that didn't work out. What did the Russian guy say about him? He's an idiot. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, Eddie and I are trying to be trying to be nice here, but yeah, this is not a guy. He's not an international man of mystery part- that was the center of this huge conspiracy. But you know, Andy, right. if I ask you, and you know, I and I spend a. a more time than I ever thought I would talking to libs about this, about this whole Mueller probe issue. What for you is the single, what's the most egregious part of the whole thing? I mean, what's the one thing that you just can't get over where you're like, this is not right, whether you want to call it a witch hunt or whatever, that this process is fundamentally tainted and it's just political and meant to get Trump? I think it's, it's two things. First, the quality of justice that was accorded to the Clinton emails investigation versus the Trump Russia investigation, where 
Um, we're all supposed to get the same quality of justice. And as somebody who, who knows this stuff uh, and has looked at this long and hard, I see one case where they bent over backwards not to make the case and one case where they scorched the earth to try to find a case where there wasn't one. And I don't see how anybody could look at those two things and say that we have one standard of justice in this country. Uh, and then the second thing, Buck, that, that continues to just roil me is that, you know, I know people don't like Trump, and I get that. Um, but, you know, Trump is not always going to be president. And I've always thought this really isn't about Trump as much as it's about the presidency. And when you investigate, when you put the presidency under a cloud of suspicion, that really screws up the government's ability to govern, even down to the point of not just dealing with Congress and dealing with foreign countries, but getting good people to come in and work for the government. You know, nobody wants to come into a government that's uh, that's under investigation and they have to lawyer up and, uh, you know, spend lots and lots of money on that on that sort of stuff. Um, now, we had this wonderful principle that no one is above the law, which means if the president is reasonably suspected of having committed a serious crime, then even if it means that our government and our governance is going to be screwed up, we have to suck it up and deal with that. But I don't think that should ever, ever happen unless someone makes a showing at the beginning that there actually is some serious crime, that there's a reasonable basis to think the president is implicated in. And it just seems to me that they didn't even care about that here. They've Andy, can we can we hold you over crime. to talk a little bit about Stone on the on the flip side, or you got to run yeah, over sure. to Fox? Uh-huh. You got a minute? Yep, sure. Okay, yep. great, guys. We're talking Andy McCarthy, National Review, Fox News contributor. We'll be back with him in just a moment. What it is all about is not just their lying, but what they are lying about, and what they are lying about is colluding with the Russians. And you see that with Stone and WikiLeaks. You see that with Cohen and the Moscow Tower. Quite a stretch, if you ask me, but let's ask Andy McCarthy, National Review uh, writer and also Fox News contributor. Andy, you know, they're now all in the it's about the lying mode, but the lying, they say, also proves the collusion. If the lying proves the collusion, why can't they charge collusion? Yeah, somebody ought to let Mueller know that. Maybe he was absent from law school the day they they taught law, I guess. Um, I'm being flipped, but I mean, don't these guys think that if that was true, that Mueller would have charged conspiracy here and charged collusion? You know, the thing, Buck, is we've always objected to this word collusion because it's such a weasel word. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, if what they're saying is... um, it should be conspiracy. You've said this before on the show, and you're right. That that would be the charge. Yeah, right. Um, you know, if what they're saying here is that a number of people had contacts, and by the way, I don't think uh, I don't see any evidence that Stone did. But if what they're saying here is that people had contacts with, you know, Russian uh, people who were connected to the Kremlin, people who were connected to Putin. Uh, yeah, I think they did. I think uh, people inside the Clinton campaign did. Bill Clinton himself. You know, gave a speech over at uh, in Moscow that he could give in his speech or in his sleep uh, that that he got paid about half a million dollars for, and then had a face-to-face meeting with Putin and Medvedev. You know, a lot of people had contacts with Russia, but what prosecutors care about 
And what this investigation is supposed to be about is conspiracy. It's not enough to have an association or a contact with someone. You have to agree to commit a crime. And they've been at this for over two years. There's not a, any evidence that anyone was involved in a criminal conspiracy. Andy, you know, the Stone indictment lays out a bunch of a bunch of different allegations of lying. And, and you know, may, maybe some of them he did. Some, you know, he, he's obviously pleaded not guilty today. But I see a trend. I mean, having having read, I recently went back and just took a look at at USC one zero zero yeah USC one zero zero one because Border Patrol is telling me that effectively it's illegal to lie to Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement about really important things like I'm right. fifteen, actually you're forty. I mean, but that is never charged really. I mean, in rare circumstances, is a charge, even though it's it is illegal. And I think it's interesting because they're supposed to be. A, a a standard. I mean, you'll know the, the specific legal uh, legal verbiage, but the lie is supposed to matter, right? I mean, they're not supposed to use one zero zero one to go after people who say, as I believe Stone did, I spoke to him on the phone. Well, no, you spoke to him on the phone and you emailed him. Okay, well, they have your email, so who cares? Can you can you weigh in on this? Yeah, well, the standard is low, uh, Buck, but it's materiality and the 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 either the affirmative misstatement or the material omission. So you can you can, can lie either way, right? I can tell you a positive lie or I can conceal something that I'm under the circumstances obligated to tell you. In either of those events, it has to be material. That is, it has to be important to the investigation in order for it to be actionable. Now, materiality, I don't want to confuse people or mislead people into thinking it's a very high hurdle. It's not. And under circumstances where, you know, even if they even if it was easy to find this out, if Stone told them, you know, look, it's really stupid for Stone if he had a zillion texts with somebody to tell the committee that they never spoke other than orally on the phone and and to do that under circumstances where he's, he's obviously trying to withhold the string of their communications from the committee, and he's otherwise putting pressure on this guy, Randy Credico, not to turn information over to the committee. So I get that. I don't have a problem with that. I, I worked in the process for a long time, and I think people who try to subvert the process, uh, you want to prosecute them for it? The, I, I, I did that. I'm fine with that. Uh, I think there's a lot of overreach in Mueller's indictment, but to the extent that you know, Stone told stupid black and white lies that he shouldn't have told then he you know then he gets what he deserves but the point where's is, the overreach would he have been investigated at all if it weren't for you know nobody here committed a crime until the investigation started right i mean and, and so but when you, you mentioned overreach and we got about a minute andy but just where is the overreach as you see it well for example buck he he says in the indictment that uh for example that that uh stone tells Jerome Corsi, uh, you got to go out and uh, get to Assange and WikiLeaks because they may have a bunch of Clinton Foundation stuff. And the way the indictment reads, you would think that, whoa, Stone must have an inside uh, lead into, or he must have an intermediary in WikiLeaks. And it turns out that Mueller leaves out that that morning, Stone was blind copied on an email from a friend of his that included an email from a reporter named James Rosen, who was at Fox at the time, which said, I hear that there's going to be a trove of Clinton Foundation emails coming out. 
So obviously Stone didn't have a line into WikiLeaks. He was blind copied on yeah. somebody's email. Very so shady and not and not an accident. Yeah. You mentioned lies of omission before. I think that's an interesting one. Andy McCarthy of National Review, everybody. Follow his stuff on nationalreview.com. Also, you can follow him on Twitter. And uh, Mr. Andy McCarthy, my friend, great to have you back, and we'll talk to you soon. If you're in a relationship, there are a couple of important dates that require roses, birthdays, anniversaries, Valentine's right around the corner. So, you know, when you're looking for the best roses you can possibly get, I've got the answer for you. Check out my friends at 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can get 18 red roses for $29.99, or you can upgrade to 24 roses, that'll really make an impression, for only $10 more. This is an unbelievable offer from 1-800-Flowers. 18 red roses for $29.99, or for just 10 bucks more, you get 24 beautiful red roses to give to your loved one, okay? These are flowers that are picked at their perfect time and are shipped overnight, so you have fresh, amazing flowers. To order 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses, only 10 bucks more, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, and enter promo code BUCK. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, promo code B-U-C-K. Hurry, offer expires tomorrow. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. What do the Russians have on Donald Trump? Politically, personally, or financially? What is Putin blackmailing President Trump with, personally, politically, or financially? So, again, I ask the question, what do the Russians have on Donald Trump, politically, personally, or financially? The Russians must have something, personally, politically, or financially, on President Trump. Now, I don't think that Nancy Pelosi is a total nincompoop. She obviously has some good political instincts and fundraising ability and is utterly ruthless and desperate for power all the time. So those those will get you some places in life for sure. But I say that because I don't believe that she is so stupid as to believe that the Russians have blackmail material on the president of the United States. But she, as the person who is third in line for the presidency, okay. Third in line for the presidency, we all need to remember that, is running around, and we just played that for you, we could have found more clips, saying that the Russian government has blackmail material on Donald Trump. And I just want to say, what would that even be? What? Let, let's think about this for a second. What information could the Russians really have that would allow them to blackmail President Trump? I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is. it is hard to fathom. Keep in mind, information that has not already come to light because Donald Trump's tax returns are with the IRS, the federal government agency that looks over, deals with, investigates, and prosecutes people for tax irregularities and fraud. People always say, oh, we need to see his tax returns. The IRS has them. It's not like he hasn't filed taxes and the government doesn't know. The government very much knows what's in his taxes. So it's not that. As much as they say, oh, it'll all be... This is one of the dumbest things that I, that I hear. It's all in the taxes. If he just releases his taxes, that's what we'll all see. Because the IRS, given all the attention, you think what we've seen with the, with the DOJ and the FBI and some of the weaponized bureaucrats 
against this president and when he was a candidate. You think that the that no one in the IRS might have said, hey, I'll take a little look at what's going on here. Maybe there's some suspicious wire transfers from Russia. This is only people that are brainwashed or just stupid could believe this stuff. And I don't know if Nancy Pelosi thinks that her constituencies across the country, because he's really more of a national figure than even a local congresswoman. I don't know if she thinks they're stupid or brainwashed, but it's one of the two or both. Because she keeps saying this. The the other part of this is to say that the president, that there's some information that they have on him that is so damaging that he would sell out his country, be a traitor and do Putin's bidding, which he isn't even doing, not doing it opposite of that in Ukraine, opposite of that in Syria. It's the Trump administration that that decided to really go after ISIS hardcore from the air. It's the Trump administration that blew up 200 Russians in the Syrian desert who made a run for a Kurdish allied outpost in the Syrian desert. 200 Russians blew them up. That was this president. But he's doing Putin's bidding, you see. He's doing Putin's bidding. That's what they keep telling us. Oh, and by the way, the blackmail material that the Russians have, to date, Mueller, who can pull all of your phone records, all of your emails, every communication you've had electronically, put anyone he wants under oath, question them for as long as he wants, bankrupt them through lawyers' fees alone, and you know he can do that. And and he hasn't found this blackmail material yet. Wow, this because the, the Trump team must be really good at hiding things from Mueller when they have a Russia blackmail angle that that somehow Nancy Pelosi knows about she, she, her intuitions going off but the Mueller team hasn't been able to figure it out this is this is for crazy people this is not a rational normal thing to believe the country is in the grips of a mass hysteria with it not all of us but a lot of people one day I mean if you want I'm I'm happy to sit here and and have a conversation right all of us talk a bit about you know send me your thoughts call in whatever you want to do about the mistakes Trump has made. Trump has made a lot of mistakes. Of course, you expect the president of the United States is going to the United States is going to make mistakes. But I mean, I think he I think he's picked. I think he has bad judgment about people. I don't think there's really a much of a debate about that. I think that he puts people in positions of authority that they can't handle and are not qualified for. Not everybody. I think he's got some good picks in there too. But I think that he's got some some. Uh, Maybe it's, you know, he just has a personal affinity for somebody, but, you know, it it overrides whatever other judgment that he could bring to bear. And I think that's a problem. It has definitely hurt his presidency. I think he should have pushed for action on the wall and for the uh, stop the funding of Planned Parenthood way earlier than he did. There's a lot. and, And never mind the tweets and. You know, yeah, some of the tweets I don't really like that much. Some of them, though, I love and some of them are amazing. And the the Trump, the honesty that he has brought into the conversation about particularly CNN, which is just a cesspool of of pseudo journalism and fraud is is a breath of fresh air. It's it's a great thing for the national conversation, in my opinion. But they focus all their attention on this fantasy, the left, the Democrats of, you know, instead of actually drilling down on what policies Trump has failed on or or ways in which, you know, what, what he's trying to accomplish are, are bad for the country or they oppose him on the on the economy or whatever it may be. They've they've turned this Russia fairy tale into the main gathering point for all their anti-Trump rage rage. I mean, this is the, the basket 
in which they dump all of their anti-Trump psychosis, uh, psychoses and animus. So not good, not good for the country, not good for anything. And and I'm hoping that it will it will come to an end soon. Um, But I also and this is perhaps a little bit of foreshadowing of where we're going to go uh, in a moment here. When I talked about Kamala Harris, I think it's because there's also going to be they're going to have a tough sell. The American people. Hey, you know, that really strong economy and super low unemployment and government that is slowly but surely through deregulation and just more sane policymaking uh, within the fourth branch of government, which is the permanent bureaucracy, you know, taking its its boot off your neck a little bit, not entirely, but a little bit. You know, all that stuff that was going on, throw all that out the window. Let's put the people who thought that that Hillary Clinton was honest and good and decent and a good leader. Let's put all those people in charge now and just with somebody else as the figurehead so that they can destroy the economy, destroy the Constitution and destroy everything in this country that makes it so much better than so many other countries all over the world. They're going to have a tough sell there. That's not going to be an, an easy thing for them to convince. I know I said lines are open and we got some calls up. James in Georgia. My friend, welcome to the Buck Saxon Show. Thank you for calling in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be, I'm glad to be on the show with you. Thank you so much for calling in. I love Georgia. Savannah is one of my favorite places to visit. Yeah, baby. You need to come to the borough. I don't know where that is, but it sounds nice. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, I live in a farming community. I'm around a lot of immigrants, and a lot of them are really good people and are trying to make a decent living. And a lot of them, they send their money back over to Mexico and to Central America and South America, and that's all well and good. But we don't hear anything in the national news of if they want to have what we have in this country, they should build it in their own country, and we should help them do that. Well, you know, brain brain drain and skill drain is is a very, very real thing for, for a lot of countries all over the world where because of the increase in mobility, particularly in the in the 20th century and now in the 21st, you know, it's a lot easier, James, for people to pick up and go somewhere else. And so, you know, they they want and there are libertarians, I would note, who argue they forget about the importance of of an actual nation state and, and citizenship and patriotism. But they'll argue that, you know, the free flow of people all over the world is just inherently a good thing. I, I disagree. Uh, but it's a lot easier uh, to move do. around and, and look for that better economic opportunity than it used to be. You don't have to get on a ship for, you know, eight weeks or whatever and cross the Atlantic, six weeks, however long the Atlantic voyage takes. You know, now you can just hop on a plane and get there. And, and so that means that you do have this poll on good, talented, hardworking people. And I appreciate, by the way, what you're saying about how, yeah, there are, I mean, I know illegal immigrants too. There, there are a lot of good people within that community who are trying to do the best by their families, but we're trying to deal with policy and with sustaining the country as it is. And that means you're going to have to make some tough choices to your point about the uh, people that are sending back money. And why don't they just better their own countries? Yeah, we are subsidizing Mexico and some Central American countries with our economy in the sense that there are untaxed remittances being sent back to Mexico to the tune of about $20 billion a year. And that's an estimate. I mean, they don't really know, but it's about $20 billion a year in cash that we are sending back to Mexico. Um, you know, I, I think that, that, James, what they would say is that it's just too corrupt and too far gone. And, you know, in the long run, we're all dead. And they don't feel enough of a bond with their own country or enough of a 
they don't feel that they can make an impact. And now I'm speaking for obviously some illegals who have come here. I don't know. But my guess is they're just like, look, I've just got to get what's better for me and my family. But that does have the effect that you're alluding to of, you know, who's going to make who's going to make Honduras a better place? Who's going to clean up Honduras's corruption and and end the, the horrific street violence and gang violence? That is a very real thing there. If a lot of the hardworking, good people leave, I, you know, it does make it harder for those who are behind. So, you know, you identify a very real problem. Yes. All righty. My friend, thank you so much for calling in from Georgia. Do we still get to Charlie in Maryland on the line or did Charlie bounce? He dropped? Oh, thanks, Charlie. Thanks take, yeah. Hey, buddy. Take my call, Buck. What's up, man? Uh, I just talking about this stone uh, invasion and stuff. Uh, Andrew Weissman is ahead of that, and he's done this three times. And I think he made a mistake on this last one when they televised it. Okay, why can't he be charged with uh, abuse of power? Oh uh, well, you know. Okay, so you've you've touched on some on some important points here. So so Charlie's talking about the uh, the uh, I think well, technically I don't think it was pre dawn. It was probably around six a.m. But this very early raid, early morning raid on Roger Stone's house in Florida. By the yeah. way, I was on Tucker's show last night. Just as an aside, Charlie. And Tucker is like, and you know, Tucker, people forget he worked at CNN for many years. And, you know, I worked yeah. there for a couple of years. Tucker worked there for like a decade, I think. And Tucker's like, this idea that CNN was the only news organization that happened to stake out his house, that happened to, remember, it's not just the reporter. He had a camera crew there ready to go. That, that's a little bit of a, this isn't just one guy who's like monitoring the house. And Tucker's like, this is just, the idea that they didn't get a leak from, from Mueller's uh, team is, is preposterous. He, he said that last night on the show. I and mean, I was saying that initially too, but I was surprised that Tucker went so, uh, so uh, all in on this one. Um, but obviously they're doing this to send a message and they, the message is that the special counsel is to be feared. You know, if you mess around with it, you do so at your peril and it does stink of police state tactics and you know, it's, it should bother people. And I know that Roger Stone is a fun character for people to, you know, he, he brings some of it on himself and he is a weird guy and everything else. Got a giant tattoo of Nixon on his back. If you've never seen it, it's an amazing photo. (laughs) Um, yeah, I know. I, I still laugh, too, when I think about it. But it, given all of that, I mean, there is something very real here. You know, he's facing years and years in prison, uh, which is going to be ter- a terrible thing for anybody. And, you know, they, they didn't have to do it in this way. And there should be some judgment shown by prosecutors, by people who have the force of the state at their disposal to make sure that they're not abusing it. Now, to your point about is there any accountability for that abuse, Charlie? Unfortunately, the answer with prosecutors is no. It is really hard to hold. I mean, they there has to be provable, malicious, unethical misconduct. It can't just be you made a bad call. It has to be, you know, they've got an email of you saying, I hate this person's stupid face, so I'm going to ruin his life and like terrify his wife by sending in the SWAT team. I mean, if you're dumb enough as a prosecutor to send that email, you might get in trouble. Short of that, you really don't. You know, the the uh, Duke lacrosse prosecutor, Nifong, I followed that very closely, so I, I remember a, a fair amount of the details. He was um, he was disbarred and was fired from his job. But he was a guy who had entirely exculpatory evidence and was like, I don't care. I'm going to send these white kids to prison for you know 20 years to prove a point about social justice or something. Uh, short of that, man, Charlie, we need real reform here. I mean, I think that 
I think that prosecutors, there, there should be a standard beyond which if they abuse their authority, they should be personally, uh, personally at least liable from a civil perspective. So you could sue the, sue the pants off. I mean, not actually take their pants off, you know, sue them into oblivion. Uh, so, Charlie, well, I, I'm with you on that, man. I think that that needs to that needs to be addressed. And I thank you for calling in and Shields High. You know, there's a there's some interesting stuff that's coming out now about uh, asset forfeiture, civil asset forfeiture, which is abused in many, many jurisdictions across the country. And a lot of federal prosecutors know it's bad, but they just don't seem to care. They keep doing it. This is the the branch of the government that is the most likely to ruin your life. I mean, to mess up your life, it's the IRS. But the branch of the government that is the most likely to ruin your life as a decent, otherwise or fully law-abiding American citizen is the prosecutorial arm of the government. Remember that. It is important for all of us. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Kamala's crazy policies when we come back. Stay with me. You're probably somebody who's familiar with hearing at least about the AARP. You know, you might already know somebody who's a member. You might be a member. But did you know that the AARP is a lefty, progressive organization for seniors? They fought tooth and nail for government control of health care, all about the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, stood against tax cuts for middle class. Forget all that. All right. If you want all the benefits, but none of the progressive drawbacks, try AMAC. I recommend it. Why AMAC? Well, AMAC gives you all the upside of AARP with even better deals and conservatism and pro-American policies at the center of the agenda. This is an organization that gives you benefits while also promoting the America that you as a conservative senior want. Stand with AMAC as they fight the good fight. Become a member today. Join right now at amac.us slash buck. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash buck. AMAC is better, better for you, better for America. The idea that a 29-member SWAT team in full tactical gear with uh, assault weapons would surround my house, that I would open the door looking down the barrel of assault weapons, uh, that I would be frog-marched out front barefooted and handcuffed when they simply but could Roger, have uh, let me, let me just, contacted me. Let me I stop think people there, need to know about Yeah, but that. as you know, it's pretty standard uh, for that to happen. No, it is not, Stephanopadopoulos. No, it is not standard for that to happen. It's standard... For the Mueller probe and it's his team of Democrat psychos, sure, but it is not standard. That is a lie. The, 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 the main argument for why they did this that, that has been offered up is so he wouldn't destroy evidence. My friends, he was saying, Roger Stone was saying last summer on my show, on Risa, he was saying, yeah, you know, they're probably coming for me any day now. <laughs> They already have all of his emails. And what records could he destroy? They have his phone records. They have his emails. They're prosecuting him for stuff that's already in their possession. He's got, it's a lie. No, this is this is how they do things. You know, they, they're the big, bad, tough special prosecutors who are going to restore democracy and blah, 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 all this other crap. But notice how you have. I mean, this is just the media is a disgrace. Bad press, as Charles Cook says. Uh, the, the media is a disgrace because they can't even let a fellow American citizen talk about how he was frog marched out of his home, you know, at, at, at 6 a.m. or whatever, barefoot with a couple dozen guys in tactical gear 
and and that, that that this is you know that he has to jump in. Stephanopoulos has to jump in and say, "Oh, you know, let's pray." It's like first of all, George, you're a little you're a little you know Clinton Clintonite hack. All right, the fact that this guy makes a hundred million dollars to host the show, it's just because he's friends with the executives in the media company. The media company is always owned by a larger company that actually has money and makes stuff. And the media executive who runs the the media wing of the much larger company can determine whatever salary he or she wants for this person because, you know, the actual company is like selling, you know, Internet, you know, Internet access or something. But the, the little media company underneath it is just it's all about being clubby, clubby and buddy, buddy with each other. We replace Stephanopoulos tomorrow, and the guys, there's nothing remarkable or interesting about him whatsoever. And he can't even let Roger Stone finish without saying something stupid, and that betrays how opposed to not just Roger Stone, but any criticism of the special counsel. You know, you're talking about dudes with guns, ooh, scary assault rifle guns that liberals are supposed to hate. Coming in through the door and acting like they're, you know, going after Pablo Escobar back in the day. And it's Roger Stone. I mean, can't you let the guy at least get his ascot and his velvet slippers? He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Don't help elect Trump, you egotistical billionaire. Go back to getting ratioed on Twitter. Go back to Davos with the other billionaire elite who think they know how to run the world. That's not what democracy needs. Oh, man. Oh, the former CEO of Starbucks there, Schultz, getting heckled. I mean, getting heckled big time. Do you want Trump to win? You, you egotistical billionaire beep. <laughs> oh, man, libs. They have created a culture of, of outrage and craziness. And ah, they're always outraged. They're always so emotional, aren't they? They're just so upset about things. I mean, here's a guy who's like, hey, I, I want to run a, a really centrist campaign and, and give people more options. And, and uh, don't you dare run for president. They are so mad about this guy. And it's, yes, as I've said, it is because he would he would split the vote and he would probably siphon off some Democrat votes. And, you know, you're looking at 10, 20,000 votes here or there in certain states. The difference the difference between winning and losing. You better fight for every inch. Some of you will catch that reference, too. Although that would be some ninth level black belt ninja stuff if you caught that. But some of you will catch that reference. Uh, between living and dying. Brandon, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Famous speech. Famous speech. But I'm not going to give it away because I want to see who in the Team Buck audience is uh is industrious and can figure out what that is so they 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 hate schultz because he would be a problem for the democrats and and also if you have somebody who is a sane alternative that is socially liberal but at least understands math math which is why the libs hate him they hate him because he understands math and doesn't pretend not to understand math because he had to run a major company you know, unlike people like Hillary, Obama, these people don't, they don't math, eh, math, schmath, they don't care. 
Math to them is math is the abstraction. Their good intentions are the reality, right? Math is the, eh, we can make it up as we go along, but their good intentions will carry the day. Um, Schultz is, is upsetting to them. And, and it's because of, it's because of this, it's because of his understanding of how finance works. And look, I think Schultz would probably be really annoying and be a bad president, but at least he's not Elizabeth Warren, the multimillionaire who talks all the time about how rich people have it so easy. I'm like, eh, Elizabeth, I, I don't have, I don't have a million dollars period. So I really don't like to hear from people who have got 15 or 20 million who are like, it's so hard for people who are just being ripped off by the rich people all the time. Like, well, yeah, you're a rich person, Elizabeth Warren. Hate hate to break it to you. But Schultz went on, speaking of people who speak like this and are very upset about things, Schultz went on The View where they have opinions and they want to share them. Uh, and and here's here's how that went with Joy Behar. Hello, it's Joy. I've missed you. We haven't talked in a while. I, I I'm on this path. I don't read. I don't know too good. But you know, I'm here. <clears throat> Play clip twenty two. Now your entry into the race pretty much guarantees that a Republican is going to win. Joy, and I know I, you're I don't, I don't agree with you. I know you don't. I don't agree with I know you. you don't. In fact, not only do I not agree with you, but I think if President Trump runs against a far left progressive liberal what if Democrat. What he runs against Biden? Biden's the middle of but the But Biden road, hasn't guy. Biden hasn't come into the race yet. yet. But let me just let's finish. If he runs against a far left progressive person, who is suggesting 60-70% tax increases on the rich and a health care system that we can't pay for. I don't know about President that. Trump yeah. is going to get reelected. Oh my gosh. They do not want What are you what are you talking about? Healthcare is going to be cheap when the government runs it. They do not want to hear what Schultz is saying cuz what he is saying and this is not a this is not a oh I'm just going to say this so we can all own the libs and laugh 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 about it although obviously we do a lot of that on the show what he is saying is objectively and demonstrably true if the democrats run a far left candidate like a bernie sanders or an elizabeth warren they're going to lose they're going to lose he's right and they don't want to hear it they this is anathema this is sacrilege now on the left you have to sneak the socialism into the conversation you see you have to allow the media to engage in its work of propagandizing so that people think oh yeah Kamala Harris isn't really a authoritarian socialist she just wants the government to control all aspects of your life the means of production for uh, for business ventures and and for commerce to occur and to essentially have a total say over every aspect of what's going on day to day in this country with with very few, if any, restraints. But she's not a Democrat or she's not a uh, authoritarian socialist. No, no, no. She's a she's wonderful. You see, she's just wonderful. That's what they'll tell you. She's amazing. Look at her story. There are some parts of her story, by the way, that have already come out that people are not going to want to look too closely at now. In fairness. We are not going to be in the game here of looking. Uh, it's 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 not really it's a no go zone, if you will, to get too deep into, you know, if somebody's, you know, somebody had an affair or somebody's got that personal baggage. 
Folks, we're not Democrats. We're not going to be rank hypocrites about this. The Trumpster has a, a, a slightly unorthodox past when it comes to women and his his marital tendencies. Okay, the Trumpster is he's led a he's led a full life, very full. Uh, so I don't think that we're going to spend too much time talking about the various uh, personal. Uh, foibles of the of the people that are running. I want to focus on the policies. I want to focus on the substance of what they are saying because that's what I do with Trump. What is the message? What is he promising to accomplish for the country? And and how will that affect all of us? And how does it affect the Constitution and and the future of this of this nation? And it sounds like I'm running for office right now. How does it affect the future? But really, that's what I care about, and that's what I want to focus on. But Schultz is the fly in the ointment right now on the left. They are very upset about this because they can't they can't have somebody who has any credibility on the left. I mean, Starbucks, man, this is this is an American institution, but a liberal one always has been, always will be. Starbucks is liberal. I mean, coffee should be something that's not, you know, should not be politicized unless it's delicious, freedom loving, patriotic coffee. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck, you know, unless it's that. Then coffee should just be something you go get, you know, in the store, whatever. Um, but they're already jumping all over Schultz because he is speaking the truth. And the Democrat primary is going to be even more of a mess if you have somebody who is center left speaking the truth. You need people that can get away with the most spectacular falsehoods about how government will be more efficient in the delivery of health care, about how your health care costs will go down if you currently have private insurance, but then the government is in charge, about how your care will be better. All lies. All lies. And I'm the I'm the person who's sitting here telling you, yeah, that's right. I we we we've been predicting single payer for years and here we are. Here we are. Um that that's they can't have somebody who is yelling from the rooftops about what's really going to happen to this country if the Democrats win. So that's why they hate Schultz, which brings me to what they're doing. And this is classic uh, what they are doing right now in order to destroy because, you know, the, the left is very good at at personal destruction. And so what's happening now is that they are turning they're turning all these they're activating all these journalist activist types, which is basically journalists who are on the left, uh, which is journalists, because if you're a conservative journalist, people, they'll call you right wing conservative commentator, whatever. If you're a lib journalist, they just call you a journalist. This is one of the big dishonest games they play, but they are mobilizing against uh, Starbucks, right? Or well, against Starbucks one and against Schultz, they've already threatened a boycott of Starbucks because the former CEO, all right, the former CEO might run for the presidency. I mean, are you guys kidding me? Like, well, wh- why you're gonna you're gonna harm this company that employs thousands and thousands of people? Look, Starbucks is a good company. I mean, it's it's an American institution now. I think the coffee's overpriced and it's pumped way too much sugar in our veins over the years, but. Or I guess you don't pump sugar in the vein. You know what I mean? In our bloodstream. Um, but that said, you know, why, why why are they coming after this thing? It's, he's not even a part of it anymore. I mean, maybe he's on the board or something, but you know, he doesn't run it. You're going to boycott Starbucks? Because he's thinking about it. This is just crazy talk. 
But that's even not enough. It's not enough for the activist left and its journo accomplices to threaten uh, Starbucks, the company. They're also going after just anything they can to humiliate and destroy Schultz preemptively. This is a piece from the Daily Beast, which is a a a woke dumpster fire of a website. Over 21 years, Starbucks released and sold 262 records using Discogs.com. A good percentage of these were compilations like Music for Little Hipsters or British Folk. The single artists' albums, though, are overwhelmingly from white musicians, according to a review by The Daily Beast. The only living black artists we could find among the 262 Starbucks releases were Herbie Hancock, Mary J. Blige, Sly and the Family Stone, Al Green, Beninese singer Angelique Kidjo, and jazz trio Sulive, or Soul Live. I don't know. How you, I'm sorry. I don't know how you say that. Blige is the youngest among them. She's 48 years old. So that's right, folks. In order to discredit Schultz, because he's speaking truth about economics, you now have journalists who are doing a deep dive into what crappy CDs Starbucks used to try to sell you at the checkout counter. And the big problem with them? Too many white artists. Starbucks artists so white. That's that's what this is. We, we we can't let these we can't have let these people run the country again. I'm sorry, we cannot let the crazy left run America. They're gonna run it into the ground. They will ruin this place. They will ruin it. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. Oh, I haven't even gotten to uh, Camel yet. We got we got a little deep dive into some of the Camel stuff here. Um, I'm just having too much fun tonight on the show. Actually got enough sleep last night, which is always always a good thing. Um, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If you want to send me thoughts for those of you who are listening uh, on delay on the podcast, make sure that you subscribe, even if you are a live listener, to the podcast. So you always have the Buck Sexton show on your phone. So if you just want to listen to it on demand on your own time, uh, you can do so. It's on iTunes. We will. Uh, well, it's on iTunes. We'll be right back. To reiterate, you support uh, the Medicare for All bill, I think, initially co-sponsored by Senator Bernie Sanders. You're also a co-sponsor on on it. I believe it will totally eliminate private insurance. Um, So for people out there who like their insurance, they don't get to keep it? Well, listen, the idea is that everyone gets access to medical care. And you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us have, has not had that situation where you got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if your, your insurance company is going to cover this? Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. Nonsense. Crazy talk. From someone who should know better, but I'm not sure she does. Let's move on. It, it, we, we can just move past this. Private insurance. The reason that people have been concerned, or rather, the reason that the left has been concerned for a while that they would have to build up to this moment where they can push for this Medicare for all. And keep in mind, Medicare for all isn't even really an accurate description. They want single payer. Single payer is the government gives a check for your health care cost to a provider. Medicare actually has cost sharing. Medicare has states that kick in money for it, and individuals have to. This is why there's, you know, Medicare supplement plans, and this is why there are, you know, it's not as simple as just everything is paid for, everything is done. Medicare is also the single, by far, 
biggest reason we are $22 trillion in debt and counting and going to be insolvent. So what you have here is getting a free infomercial from CNN. They didn't do this for, you know, they didn't do this for some of the other candidates they've announced. What a surprise. CNN's a trash bag. Uh, But here you have the single biggest driver of our debt that is only going to get bigger and bigger over time, which also means that interest payments on the debt will simultaneously be getting bigger and bigger as we go deeper into debt and crowding out the rest of spending and and the the stuff that we want, right? Do the government spending that would actually be good and a whole lot of other things. Got to get ready for that war we're going to have with China in about 20 years. So... Here they're saying that the answer to the nation's ills at a time when Obamacare has has failed it, its core promises and it is just a, it's just shifting money from some people from people who are kind of you know making 70 to 90,000 dollars a year to people who are making you know 30,000 dollars a year I and mean, that's what Obamacare has largely done in the healthcare market it depends on what state you're in and all the rest of it but um it's just redistribution of wealth. Now the answer is let's just double down on the government running health care and making all the determinations about care. If you think that you're going to be, and I know you don't when I say you, this is like the royal you as in, you know, the people out there. If, if they think that this is going to be making health care easier to get with less bureaucracy and less red tape and less frustration it's like they've never spent a minute dealing with the government remember medicare is too expensive as it is it is robbing from future generations to pay for the program we already have that's just a fact people pay out take out twice what they put in on average meaning that their taxes are half of what they take out in health care at the end of their lives that's just the system i'm just telling you what it is Future generations are going to be crushed under this debt. And their answer is, let's just let's just take this, which only affects people that are 65 and over. So it's only a, a, you know, a subset of the population and expand it for everyone. It's insane. It's insane. And people are going to tell me, oh, Buck, they do this and they do this in other countries. Let's talk about what the country is. Let's talk about the population size. Let's talk about its economic growth. Let's talk about its GDP. You know, uh, I don't want to be in another country. I want to be in America. And to Democrats, that's increasingly a revolutionary concept. I don't want us to be Denmark. I want this to be America. Can we all get on board with that? If we're, we're going to have this presidential race, can we at least all agree that we're trying to pick the president of the United States and not, not the president of Sweden? Global Verification Network, the only dual certified veteran owned background investigation and vetting company out there. Okay, this is a unique organization that can tailor whatever needs you have. They can tailor the program so that it fits perfectly. Whether you're a huge business or a small business, you're going to need to have background checks done on the people that you're hiring, people that you're bringing in. If you need someone or a deal or anything to be vetted, this is the organization to go to Global Verification Network. They are based in Chicago, but their risk mitigation experts are spread out across the country. They can handle your business wherever you are, large or small business. So call them at 877-695-1179. Again, Global Verification Network, 877-695-1179. Or go to mygvn.com. Again, that's mygvn.com. 
Make sure they know that you're part of Team Buck. You heard about them here on the show. And remember, Global Verification Network leaves no stone unturned. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. I would not be standing here were it not for the education I received. And I know many of us will say the same thing. And I believe a child going without an education is tantamount to a crime. So I decided I was going to start prosecuting parents for truancy. Well, this was a little controversial in San Francisco. (laughs) And frankly, my staff went bananas. They were very concerned because we didn't know at the time whether I was going to have an opponent in my re-election race. But I said, look, I'm done. This is a serious issue, and I've got a little political capital, and I'm going to spend some of it. And this is what we did. We recognized that in that initiative, as a prosecutor and law enforcement, I have a huge stick. The school district has got a carrot. Let's work in tandem around our collective objective and goal, which is to get those kids in school. There you have Kamala Harris talking about when she was a prosecutor in San Francisco. Uh, She was going after people for their kids not going to school. Now, some of you might actually, I don't know, some of you might might kind of like this uh, as a general idea, although it seems to me kind of harsh. How, how do you know, you know, how would you even make the determination as to whether the parents are really at fault or whether the kid, you know, usually it's not 10-year-olds that aren't showing up to school, it's teenagers. The kid is ditching or the kid is just not showing up. Who's going to make that determination? And also, is this a wise use of prosecutorial resources? Um, Beyond that, though, there's also a philosophical issue here, one that is going to haunt Kamala Harris as she is now held up as the she is overnight. This is why Tapper sat down with her on CNN to do this to do this advertisement for her campaign. That's what they call it a town hall. It's a CNN ad for a candidate. That's what it is. Um. But they they did this and they're trying to prop her up. They're trying to at least put someone forward who's not doing, you know, uh, doing damage to herself or himself in the first moments of candidacy. Right. I mean, someone, I mean, Elizabeth Warren with the DNA thing, one of the greatest self owns, one of the biggest own goals I've, I've ever seen anyone manage, period. So they're they're hopeful that this will at least make their crop of candidates look a little bit more serious and the other people who's this castro guy you know you look at the names like who exactly is you know elizabeth warren who else is in there i mean it's a it's kind of a meh not a very exciting crew for the democrats the problem she's going to have though is that she has a record as a prosecutor and a record for locking people up she is going to because of the democrat narrative around women women of color she is going to want to present herself as a champion of particularly minorities and uh, and, you know, people um, who are, get get the rough end of the criminal justice system a lot of the time. Meanwhile, when it suited her, she was a pretty, pretty rough and tumble prosecutor going after people pretty hard, pretty statist in her inclinations, She's arresting people, prosecuting parents for truancy here. That's unusual. 
Now, the left is going to try to make all that disappear, but it's going to be hard because they need to make that excuse for it because ultimately they're going to get into this mindset of electability and they believe that Kamala Harris is electable. They think that she can do it and therefore they'll make excuses. They're just going to make excuses for along the way. Um, there's some other interesting things that uh, came to light in the discussion. She was like, oh, wait, we have a little more on her on her truancy comment. This was in play play 15. So to that end, on my letterhead, now let me tell you something about my letterhead. When you're the DA of a major city in this country, usually the job comes with a badge. And there is often an artistic rendering of said badge on your stationery. So I sent a letter out on my letterhead to every parent in the school district, outlining the connection that was statistically proven between elementary school truancy high school dropouts, who will become a victim of crime, and who will become a perpetrator of crime. We sent it out to everyone. A friend of mine actually called me and he said, Kamala, my wife got the letter. She freaked out. She brought all the kids into the living room, held up the letter, said, if you don't go to school, Kamala's going to put you and me in jail. (laughs) Yes, we achieved intended effect. I'm sorry, but that's... That's that's a creepy thing. This idea that you know you have to go to these. First of all, they're they're factories of progressivism. I mean, overwhelmingly, the public school system in this country is just is brainwashing kids to become little Democrat voters, little automatons of the Democrat Party, which is really disconcerting in and of itself. But beyond that, I mean, I understand she's really playing this up. Like she, I wonder how many people she actually prosecuted, if any. But to threaten to use prosecutorial resources and 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 power to take away possibly somebody's freedom even if it's only look i know she's not gonna lock people up for decades for truancy but you know theoretically at least she would have had to threaten to arrest people take away the i mean take away their freedom for a day or two to me seems harsh um and that you know the, the whole idea that that your children should it should be a criminal act for you to not send your children to school. That should that should be disconcerting, I think, to folks. I really do. All the stuff she is saying about dropouts and yeah, there's there are problems, all that. But what about parents that just don't want to send their kids to the public school? They want to homeschool them. You say, oh, Buck, they can. Oh, they make that hard in some states. You know, there's there's a lot of ways that this can blow back on parents. Um, oh, but then speaking of blowback, guns. Kamala Harris talked about what she thinks about guns. Play 13. We have got to have smart gun safety laws in this country, and we've got to stop buying this false choice. You can be in favor of the Second Amendment and also understand that there is no reason in a civil society that we have assault weapons around communities that can kill babies and police officers. She even went as far as to suggest that we should have people see the victims of gun violence. Legislators should be forced to see the dead bodies from gun violence because that would change their mind about the Second Amendment. A bizarre, ignorant, and, and truly obtuse thing for her to say, as though those of us who believe in the right to bear arms don't care about the innocent victims of violence. Quite the contrary. We don't want to be the innocent victims of violence, and we want to be able to protect others from becoming the innocent victims of violence. But Harris is a statist, a socialist, and a disaster in waiting. I think that Russia is our number one geopolitical foe. 
Yes, right now, I think they're the most determined foe to work against us because they actually did attack us uh, in the last election. You've become this outspoken voice on foreign policy, specifically with Russia, because of your intel committee assignment. But if you ask all of the heads of all the intelligence agencies, yeah. um, anything that they agree on, besides agreeing that Russia yeah. interfered in our 2016 election, the yeah. thing they most agree on is that China sure. actually presents the most severe um, and significant long-term economic and national security threat to this right. country. Why, if that's the case and you believe that, do you spend the overwhelming majority of your time on Russia? Yeah, I, I don't spend the overwhelming majority of my time on Russia, but on the intelligence Certainly on committee. talking about it, certainly on television, certainly yeah. in your tweets, and certainly also yeah. on your legislation. I mean, yeah. the largest bulk of legislation that you've written yeah. has been in response to the president yeah. and also with respect to Russia. I would say it reflects the, the times that we're in and the threat uh, that we face. Good for uh, Margaret Hoover old associate of mine from back in the day for um, what she did here by getting, that was Swalwell, for those who, who don't know Smarmy Swalwell from the sound of his voice, who's a one of these Democrat congressmen who has made his, made his whole brand, really, made his whole name about going on TV and saying crazy and irresponsible stuff about, Trump and Russia and Russia collusion. I mean, there, there's a there's a Hines congressman, Jim Hines, I think, out of Connecticut. He's one. Um, Swalwell, obviously, the the granddaddy of them all is that incredibly oleaginous because I learned that I learned that the proper pronunciation of that word because of the incredible brilliance of Team Buck. Thank you. Uh, the oleaginous fellow, Adam Schiff. Uh, th- these are people who are only known, really. I mean, this is this is how they have built their political brands by being Russia conspiracy maniacs. I mean, just people that are making it up as they go along, and they'll say whatever they'll say whatever Rachel Maddow, whatever Morning Joe wants to call them, or want rather wants them to say. Sorry, uh, that's what that's what will happen. Um, that's the way that they go about representing the people. Is this? This pathetic hashtag resistance mentality where anything you can say on Russia is going to get you applause and and plaudits from people that really believe that the president is an agent of Russia, which, as we've been discussing, especially if we are finally in the latter stages of the Mueller probe, which I am not. I think the latter stages of the Mueller probe means we have six to 12 months left. That's what I I think that, you know, when they say latter stages, they mean it's not going to stretch for 10 years. But they're they're not going to finish this until the election year, in my opinion. That's if you ask me to put money on it right now. And I, I could. This is a wild guess. I can't. I, none of my sources in DOJ will. I think they honestly just don't know. I think only Mueller and his team know, and they probably haven't even decided yet. Um, but if I were putting money on it, I would say the Mueller probe wraps up next. You know, next fall. You know, maybe around October, November. So we're no when we say we're close to the end, I mean, it's all a question of what does close mean? But I want there to be accountability for the idiocy and the viciousness and the the stupidity, the lies, all of the stuff that has characterized the way the Democrats have acted this whole time and the cost to the country, you know, the cost to the U.S. government, to the the confidence that the American people's. Uh, choice in an election will be respected by the establishment. We're always told, oh, he's undermining Trump's undermining our institutions. And I always respond, well, in a lot of ways, but one of them, by one of the ways I respond is by saying that what could undermine our institutions more 
then the people who are supposed to be the neutral, uh, you know, executors of the institution, people that work in the government bureaucracy, people that work for Congress on Capitol Hill, and, you know, uh, what could undermine our institutions more than all of them working to undo the clear choice made by the people of the United States in the last election to vote for Donald Trump? And look, I agree, it's... It's crazy in a way that Donald Trump is president. Now, I didn't see it coming. Some of you did. And I probably one day I'll, I'll sift through the email box and, and the inbox on Facebook and just go back to the early days of the primary when some of you were like, Buck, I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you Donald Trump is going to win this thing. You're not listening to me right now, but you will listen. I did listen eventually. But you were like, I'm telling you this is a movement. I'm telling you this is different. Uh, and I, look, I was always humbled by the fact, as, as one should be in media, right, that that some of you saw this so early and I was like, I just can't, I just can't see it. I don't think this guy can beat the machine. And sure enough, I am the machine. Very few of you will get that reference. But those of you who will will be like, Buck, that was a great reference. Uh, so Swalwell is is one of the, the, the clowns in chief here for the whole Russia thing. And I mean, here's an, here's another example. I mean, on uh, I always want to say NPR, PBS. The other state media thing that is funded for for old people to watch. Uh, that's where she asked him that question. But then there's just the kind of stuff that this guy Swalwell says on a regular basis without evidence, as is noted here. Play two. At what point do you draw the line and not accuse the president of the United States without any evidence of being an agent of Russia? Yeah, he, he's betrayed our country. And I don't I don't say that lightly. I, I worked as a prosecutor for seven years and I but betraying the country. By the way, we want evidence before you yeah. say that. But you said an agent of Russia. Yeah, he he works on their behalf. After it was revealed that the Russians were attacking our democracy, he went to a press conference and said, Russia, keep doing it. So we're, we're familiar with that sequence of events yeah. as a prosecutor. That's that's as, no, but as a prosecutor, yeah. that wouldn't be evidence in court. I mean, as a prosecutor, no, you evidence. know the difference yeah. between hard evidence and circumstantial evidence. I'm not hearing the evidence that he's an agent of Russia. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's pretty clear. It's almost hiding in plain sight. Is he delusional or just a decrepit, dishonorable liar? This guy represents a congressional district. He's a member of Congress. He gets on TV all the time. Trump is an agent of Russia. Says says who? How? Oh, you know, he just is. It's right there in front of you. No crazy person. It's not right there in front of us. Why should this person, Eric Swalwell, be taken seriously? Why should anyone take him seriously when he says this kind of stuff? I mean, the answer is he shouldn't be. The answer is this guy is way out of line. Oh, by the way, he mentioned... You know, Trump saying, keep doing it. There's a lot of loose, a lot of loose talk around what Trump said and how bad it was at one time. And Trump occasionally does. You know, look, he's running around. He's throwing long bombs, verbally speaking, into the end zone. Sometimes he gets picked off. It's going to happen. Okay, it's going to happen. And it has happened. But they always feel this need to exaggerate what Trump said, which tells you a lot, doesn't it? Or, or, Or to misconstrue the exact words are usually not enough. They have to do something else. Here is what, remember, Swalwell said that he told Russia, keep doing it. Here's the reference, actually. Play clip three. He has a total lack of respect for President Obama. Number one, he doesn't like him. And number two, he doesn't respect him. I think he's going to respect your president if I'm elected. And I hope he likes me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. 
Yeah. He's just saying that, first of all, he's obviously trying to be a little tongue-in-cheek, but he's saying, yeah, if Russia, if you got the, the emails that Hillary deleted from her illegal server situation, okay, the, including the classified 100-plus emails that she deleted when emails were under subpoena, that's destruction of evidence. Not only did she traffic in classified information on an unsecure server in clear violation of the Espionage Act, and James Comey, in his I'm America's Last Boy Scout routine, stood up in complete contravention of DOJ guidelines and jumped on the hand grenade to save the Clinton administration to be. In addition to that, she was destroying evidence. She was destroying evidence. And we're supposed to believe the big problem is Trump making jokes about the destruction of evidence that she had. And he says, you'll be rewarded mightily by the press. Yeah, as in the press is going to cover that story a lot. That would be a big story. One other part of the whole Hillary email Russia hacking thing and and the DNC hacking and all of it that never seems to get much attention. This stuff was all true. I mean, is is that allowed to, to factor into the calculation here a little bit? I mean, there are a lot of news publications, New York Times, Washington Post, in violation of the law, they think it's not, but it is, publish classified information that harms U.S. national security on a regular basis in violation of the law. We just, our DOJ, chooses not to prosecute them. What, what about the, the WikiLeaks dump on the DNC and, and, uh, and Podesta's emails? What about that is so outside the bounds of what the Washington Post and the New York Times, oh, because they did it for a foreign power? We had a foreigner paid by Hillary's campaign, Christopher Steele, using foreign sources who were Russian to weaponize the intelligence community against a presidential candidate. Which one of those things sounds worse to you? We're going to have to hold these people accountable, the liars, the cheats, the thieves. Uh, we're going to have to hold them accountable because if this if this Mueller probe does wind down the way that I I. Don't know when, but I know it will. It's going to go out with a whimper. If it does wind down that way, they're going to try to move this to being a political crime, something that needs to be impeached. And we need to make sure that we hold them accountable for all the lies, all the stuff they've done that is so destructive and so untrue. People like this super clown, Congressman Swalwell. His district should be ashamed, by the way. We'll be right back. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Quite a night in the Freedom Hut, my friends. We have covered so much ground. Thank you for being here with me and hanging out, man. Wherever you're listening across the country or if you're listening even the next day. Which reminds me, podcast, if you ever miss the show live, you can always, always listen on iTunes. Just type in The Buck Sexton Show on iTunes and you can also subscribe, so it'll always be waiting for you. Uh, podcasting is fun and great, uh, so you should check that out. All righty, the Facebook inbox. By the way, one thing I'm with my beard, my beard struggles. Uh, is it supposed to sometimes get too long around the producer, Mike? Do you have any input on this? It gets a little long around your mouth so that it kind of can scratch and irritate. Does that mean you got to bust out the trimmers or do I just need to man up <gasps> microaggression and let yeah. it keep growing? Yeah, man. Well, I'll give you my point of view and then we know we all know Brandon's the beard expert. Me and you are new to this game. We're kind of beard noobs. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Really, I feel, he's I feel really the beard specialist. It. Yeah. No, I, what I do is uh, I get the little it's, it's mini scissors that come with your nail clipper cl- uh, kit and I trim around the, uh, you know, so it doesn't like get in your food and all that, you know, stuff. 
But I do trim it up. They always say, like, let it grow as much as you can, but it annoys me sometimes. But um, that's what I do. I, I do trim it. Brandon, well, how, how do I get it to fill in on the sides, man? Because you, you got a man beard. I got a baby boy beard. I need a man beard. You have to nurture it like it's a, you know, a chicken, like a baby, like an egg. <laughs> Gotta, every day gotta help the little baby grow every day yes you're supposed to let it grow for a while but then you're supposed to it's like getting uh your split ends cut on your beautiful mane that you have like you have to keep it you know even and out every day i'm trimming something so i don't look like i'm homeless yeah. i wish i could take some kind of credit for the for the swoop but uh just it's just the genes man papa sexton's got great hair you know yeah you know, <laughs> my mom's got great hair she is technically a ginger so my mom's got very red hair, but my dad's got a great swoop. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there we go. All righty. Let's get to the roll call as I sit here and scratch my face a little bit. Uh, we have TJ up first. Buck, I appreciated your commentary on the Punisher Netflix series. I think we're at about the same spot where you stopped. And when the whole homosexual Russian connection came up, I about threw my hands up and said, I'm done. But I must pers- uh, persist and finish the series because, you know guns from the get-go i said to my wife though that the bad christian guy doesn't make much sense and not because a christian can't be bad it's just the context of his character doesn't line up with the church he goes to he sounds much like an italian mobster whom everyone knows are catholic and he dresses like a priest from a western or possibly an amish or mennonite person however the church he goes to is clearly not catholic and no one attends his church dressed in simple garb as you would expect from Amish or Mennonites. It's pretty clear to me that they did not consult a Christian for this character. They just took a bunch of stereotypes from a bunch of different denominations and blended them into one character. Yeah, and it, and it's just it's so dumb, it's so annoying. It it really it ruined it for me, man. It just ruined it. And you know, I'm going to tell you something. The first season had some flaws. It dragged in some places. You know, that guy, Billy, who's basically like a fashion model that we're supposed to believe is like some, you know, highly trained tactical killer. You know, he, he's not you know, Billy Russo. He, he's not a compelling guy, I think, in, in the role. The woman who plays the, um, you know, the woman who plays the uh, FBI agent, uh, Madani is her name. And, you know, she always looks like she's walking off a fashion shoot, too. I mean, I'm not saying, look, there I've worked with I, I knew some some very lovely FBI agents. I'm not saying that it's just her character is wrong. It's just not, uh, it's not a, a good fit. Um, and, and it's, and she's kind of boring and a little annoying. And anyway, so I, I got a lot of problems. The only thing I'll say that's good about Punisher is the action sequences are well executed. And the guy, Brandon, do you know the name? He, he was in the first two seasons of walking dead. Do you know what that guy's name is? John. He was like the best friend that betrays the, uh, he was the, Shane in the walking dead. Yeah. Shane in the walking dead. I forget John what it's Benthal, Bementhal, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something like, something like that. Um, he's Barenthal? good though. Is that what, uh, what do you think about him as the Punisher? I think he does a good job. I like the character, but I agree with the, like what you said yesterday. In addition, he was forcing certain things. So I'm not, I, I quit this season also. So I'm with you. Yeah. But I like I, him I as Punisher. Out. Yeah. And I also have a rule, and it's a rule that I will, I will say I think is a, is a good one for uh, for everybody to adopt. And and it's really my my Lost rule. I establish it from watching the show Lost. When you know a show has gone bad, do not. And obviously, TJ wants to. He says he wants to watch in, in our inbox here because of the guns, which I can respect that. But when you know a show has gone bad. Do yourself a favor. There's so much good content out there. There's so many shows that will really, you know, stick with you, entertain you, inspire you, whatever. Don't 
Don't get caught in the, oh, I'm halfway through, so I have to finish. No, I watched the first three seasons of Lost, and I remember I came to the conclusion, I was like, there's no way that that J.J. Abrams can make this make sense. It is not possible to, in some bit of writing brilliance, bring this all together. It's just... It's just all these fragments of what seem like cool storylines that aren't going to make any sense. No joke. I'm watching Lost currently for the third time all the way through. You've got to be kidding me. I I, I wish I was. I know what you're saying, but there's something about that show that I'm... It does kind of transport you. I I love the first two seasons, but in the third season, I watched the third season. I don't even think I finished it, and I was like, there's no way. And it's all... I mean, I know we're, we're ruining the show for those who haven't seen it, but it's Hurley's dream, right? That's how this all ends. Yeah, it's like a well. I I don't even say that that's the official reason. I think some of it's still left up into uh, interpretation. I just think that I just think that it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. I I just think that that's that's the laziest writing trick that that possibly exists. I know? enjoyed the ride. That's what I guess I I I all I'm, I can say. Look, the, the the characters are well done, and and that I made it through halfway. But I'm just glad that I bailed. Uh, I would tell you that there's some other. By the way, the producer Mike, do you have a? Do you have a vote on this one? Lost? Yeah, I, I I lean more towards you on this. Like I, I I forget where I left off, but I do remember getting to the point where I just didn't care anymore. Um, so I just bailed. Yeah, I'm making yeah. my girlfriend finish it though. The it's her first time watching Lost, so I'm enjoying this. So it's my third time watching someone for the first time get frustrated. Dude, there are so many series that I we could sit down and talk about, Brandon. That you probably I, mean, I know, tell me I you've know. already seen Breaking Bad. Yes. Okay. You've seen The Wire. No, that's on my list. Unacceptable. <laughs> you have homework. You must watch The Wire. It is a fantastic show. Um, there are others that I could add in the mix. I would actually say, I think Peaky Blinders is in my top 10 now. I think Peaky Blinders, it wasn't my jam in the very beginning. I kind of liked it, but I was like, eh, it's a little depressing. And then it just takes off, man. It's it's a, it's a top 10 show for me, which I did not think was going to happen. I also love the first season of The, Lost, uh, or the Last Kingdom. But I would say that uh, the second and third season are not. It's kind of a lot of the same storylines happening over and over again, which gets a little bit boring. Anyway, okay, this is not supposed to be. This is supposed to be the team speaks. This is not supposed to be Buck rambles about TV shows. Let me hit a quick break. We'll come back. We'll finish roll call in just a moment with all of your insights, all of your fantastic uh, wisdom, knowledge, jokes, all the rest of it. Stay with me. All right, all right. So roll call. Sorry about that. I got distracted because we're talking about shows. TJ got me all fired up with his comments about The Punisher. Uh, And yeah, I'll save you the time. Don't watch it. It's not worth your time. The first season, maybe. Second season, not so much. Rick writes, uh, Hey, Buck, I use iTunes to download your podcast every weekday. Today, iTunes cannot access your most recent podcasts. Um, Thought you should know. Producer Mike, is that correct? Not that I know of. Do we have to code red Apple? Because I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll code red there. Sir. I mean, it's, you know, I usually uh, I hear complaints when those things happen. I haven't seen any. We are transitioning, actually, uh, internally to a new content management system. So maybe there was a hiccup, but I'll look into it. All right. All righty. All right. Thanks. Yeah, Producer Mike is the one who has the answers. I'm just the dancing bear. I just dance and dance on radio. Mike actually <laughs> makes sure that, like, things happen. Yeah. Uh, Spencer writes, hey, Buck, love the show. I use CastBox to get the podcast. Now, uh, Mike, we got a problem. When, when there's a couple of people in a row in the inbox, we got a problem. Didn't get Monday's show. I'm missing my buck fix. Mike, can you can you send out a a, uh, a terse but but professional email to whoever needs one about how our podcast is not getting up for people to listen? That makes yeah. me sad. Yeah. I'll check it out. 
Yeah, look into it because because we know when there's when there are, these are back to back messages in the inbox yeah. here. Well, yeah, something must have happened. Something's up, yeah. guys. We're sorry. You know the new up. Oh, make that three messages. The newest Buck Saxon show is not on. <sighs> okay, guys. So we're, we're we're on it. I'm this sorry. Was, this was Monday. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. That's what they're saying. Yeah, Damn I'm it, Buck. It Damn it. Um. We'll fix it, guys. Don't don't worry. It's gonna get. I mean, I, I'm the one who's worried. Really, we do we do this phenomenal show, and then when you can't listen to it when you want to, I get very mad. Another another message about the podcast. Last episode posted is 20 days ago. Mike, what? All right, uh-huh. guys, we're all. I'm not gonna read any more messages about the podcast. Thank you for telling me about this. We are on this. We will look at what's going on on iTunes. But clearly, this transition to a new content management system <sighs> needs some work. Yeah. Friday's Rachel. podcast is definitely up. I'm looking at it now, but Monday's it looks like there might be an issue. <sighs> Mike, we're gonna we're gonna have to take matters into our own hands here. Um, let's let's see if we can get that one fixed. Rachel writes, "Hello, Buck. I just want to let you know how much your uh, how much my husband and I really appreciate your analysis. We don't watch or listen to the lib news media, but we're able to know what's truly going on in the country because you do the research and filter through all the crap that is out there. That is true." I am neck deep in liberal media crap on a regular basis. Just wanted to say hi and encourage you to keep up the awesome work. Jesse and Rachel in Cali. Well, Rachel and Jesse, shields high, and thank you so much. And I can see here in your profile photo you have an adorable family. So very, very uh, wonderful and cute and good for you. And uh, thank you so much for sending me the note. I appreciate it. Um, This is my favorite part of the day every day. John writes, hey, Buck, shields high. Where is the Charles Cook article on bad press, how the media failed? John, if you go to National Review online, look at me, I'm plugging my my friends' websites that I don't even work for. Uh, go to National Review online, it'll still be there, but an easy way to do it is just type in on Google, Charles Cook, and it's C-O-O-K-E, Charles Cook, bad press, and it, the piece went, uh, pretty viral, so it, it'll pop up in your in your search results right away. I texted Charles; he was on vacation. I'm like, "Wow, I, I haven't heard back from him." He, of course, it's very like Charles to. For those of you who remember Charles Cook from the Real News days when we used to work together at the Blaze, he was a frequent guest on on my show. And it's very much like Charles to write a piece that the internet like it just catches fire for for 48 hours, and Charles is like, "Oh, I was I was gone." Doing some sporting clay shooting, you know, he just he just didn't even he was gone while his piece because everybody was like Charles, this is amazing, and he didn't respond to anybody, and now he's back and he's like, oh, I'm glad you liked the piece. It's like, yeah, Charles, it was one of the better editorials I've read in the last year, I'd say. So I mean, it's really really good stuff. And those of you listening, you know, so many people spew out. You know, there's a lot of just spewing out content and spewing out you know crappy opinion pieces all the time. Read the Charles piece to get a sense of what a really good editorial can be like. And then maybe read my piece from last week, which also went viral on the Covington Kids on the Hill.com. I'm just saying. Rob writes, Buck, I listen on. St- OK, more. <sighs> wow. Everyone's, you know, I got I got to skip past the messages where they're complaining about. Do tell me, guys. I'm not saying that, but we get it. We had it. We had a problem. Thank you for the uh, the heads up on it. Sorry, guys. We'll make sure that doesn't happen again. More and more. The, the whole inbox is messages about how we don't have a podcast. I'm going to we're just going to have to we're just going to have to create an email address where you can just complain directly to producer Mike so he can complain directly to whoever's supposed to be filing these TPS reports. 
Randy writes, great job on Tucker tonight. You'll have your own show soon. Bring back real news with some personnel changes, of course. Shields high. You know, Randy, real news on The Blaze was a great show. I mean, we we had so much conservative pundit talent that assembled on that show over over the years. I mean, you know, you sit here. I, there is nowhere else where I know of outside, obviously, of Fox News. But remember, this was in the early days. This is before a lot of these people were at that level in their careers where they were going to be on Fox as as paid hosts or contributors. You know, we had uh, S.E. Cup, Will Kane, Tara Setmayer, Amy Holmes, Guy Benson, Katie Pavlich, Pete Hegseth, uh, Nick uh, or Matt, Matt Welch. Um, I mean, I don't, that's just off the top of my Ellison Barber, Jedediah Bila. Uh, I mean, and, and I don't, I'm not saying these are people that just appeared on the show. Those were regular guests. I mean, those were panelists on a regular basis. So we had and we were fighting about conservatism all the time, which was always funny. I mean, there was a lot of I wouldn't say overly heated arguments, but there were definitely, definitely some back and forth. Holly writes, I just saw your report on Tucker Carlson. You're right on the money. You should also look at the other types of immigration fraud occurring after those illegally crossing make entry. Besides gaming the asylum system, they are gaming adjustment of status and all kinds of large scale fraud schemes going on that end with these individuals fraudulently gaining work authorization, lawful permanent resident status and citizenship. Another huge incentive for illegal crossers. Holly, you are absolutely right. Uh, There are a number of crimes that that often, not always, but often accompany illegality uh, of of people that, you know, of the illegal crossing itself and document fraud, lying to federal officials, uh, as you point out, different types of, of fraud that occur to try to game the system. You know, there's marriage fraud. There are a lot of things that go on where people are uh, making a mockery of our immigration laws. And unfortunately, it's become so widespread that there's very little will to enforce it. There's very little um, desire to pay attention to what's on the books and, and, and actually do something about it. So that's that is uh, frustrating. Jim writes, what about Mexico siding with Russia on Venezuela's president? One more good reason to build the wall. Well, you know, uh, Peña Nieto, the president of Mexico, is a is a far left socialist. And he comes from the the PRI, which is the Mexican, uh, the Mexican socialist uh, party that had run the country for 70 years until Vicente Fox came along. So, you know, he's somebody who comes from this, uh, from the the machine of Mexican politics that is outrageously corrupt and very left wing and very socialist and social justice minded. And there is a uh, a kind of a a comradeship, if you will. Comrade. I know I got to bring back Kami Bear. It's been forever. You don't even know who Kami Bear is anymore. Uh, There's been a comradeship between Mexico and Venezuela recently because of that connection. And that's going to be it for the Freedom Hut tonight, my friends. It has been real. It has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. We will talk tomorrow. Shields high. When you're in a relationship, there are a couple of important dates that you got to remember, and they require roses to really make it special. Birthdays, anniversaries, and Valentine's Day, which is right around the corner. So when you're looking for the biggest and best quality roses out there, I want you to check out my friends 
at 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can get 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more. This is an unbelievable offer from 1-800-Flowers. 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more. These are the best roses you'll get anywhere. They are picked at their peak freshness and shipped overnight. To order 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only 10 bucks more, go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Just go click the radio icon at 1-800-Flowers.com and enter the promo code BUCK. Really important. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. Radio icon, click on it. Promo code BUCK. Hurry, offer expires Wednesday. 